podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast and our match report from Forest's defeat away at Craven Cottage. Uh, it's Forest's fourth defeat in a row and it's a result that piles pressure on Steve Cooper, making Saturday's game against Wolves look like a much win, even though it did already, I suppose. Uh, we're gonna we're speaking on Thursday evening. Um, Stephen is alongside me. Thank you for joining me, Stephen. Uh, and we're going to take a look at, at everything uh, about the game. Uh, Forrest lost 5 0 in the end. I'm sure you're very aware of that. It was first half goal from Alex Roby and Raul Jimenez that put Wolves ahead just before time, uh, half time. And then Forrest just didn't put up a fight in the second half, conceding another two goals to Roby and Jimenez before Tom Kearney got in on the action and scored as well. Uh, it looked like it could be curtains for Cooper, but as we speak, he's taken part in the pre-match press conference for Wolves and it's looking like he'll have at least that game um, to get through it. Um, so Stephen's here alongside me. I was at the game. Stephen watched from home. Um, so it was yet another away defeat, a frustrating result and a rather toothless performance from Forrest last night. It was, and it was a kind of performance that we've not really seen under Steve Cooper it was embarrassing. It was quite sad to watch as well because it looked like the players had given up and you'd never accuse players of doing that under Steve Cooper, which is worrying. And I, yeah, I was just fearing the worst. I thought Cooper would be gone after this. You can say and look at the the run of one win in 12 or whatever it is and that being a factor, but the performances on the whole have been pretty good and we've only been losing by the odd goal when we have lost but yeah this at Craven Cottage was just was just poor from everybody I can't can't think of anybody on that field who comes away with credit after last night and it was just so so disappointing and and it was making me quite angry watching it as well because players should be doing the basics better they should be putting in more work rate and showing more commitment and more passion and I'm not seeing it from this Forest team. They just look like they're down tools. Yeah, 100%. And the, the first two were on a spell of losing uh, four in a row. The first two games against Brighton and West Ham, you could argue that Forest were in the game for large periods of that. But I think the frustrating thing about the Everton game and this game was that Forest were never really in it and they just didn't show up on the days. Uh, so we'll, we'll have a look at the team news then. There was five changes Cooper made from the Everton game. In came Felipe, Aina, Dominguez, Hudson, Adoy and Origi. And out went Bolly, Aurier, Yates, Gibbs, White and Wood. So Vlacadimos played in goal. We had a back four of the returning Aina, Felipe, the captain, Murillo and Harry Toffolo. The midfield three that we've been came so familiar with played with Mangala, Dominguez and Sangare across the midfield. And then there was Callum Hudson, Odoi and Antilia Langer on the wings with Divock Origi up front. Um, I was quite pleased with the team news, I have to say. Uh, I thought Aina's return was a positive, although some poor performances from him recently. I don't think he's really merited being dropped. I think he's been our most consistent player. I also thought Dominguez had to return in that midfield because Sangari and Yates just didn't work at all um, together. And I think they're two very similar players. And I'd argue I'd probably rather have Yates, especially on the back of this performance. Um, and then I think Origi had to be given that chance because although Wood's not done that much wrong, Origi's not been given a chance since his first start. And I think I was quite happy with the team news. But what did you think, Stephen? I was happy with it as well. I, I didn't have any complaints when I saw the team. When you look at Ina coming back in, I think that made sense. I don't think Aurier 
played particularly well against Everton. And I think he perhaps could have done more for their goal. I agree with Origi coming in up front because Chris Wood was ineffective against Everton. And actually, he was more mobile, Origi, during this game. In the early stages yeah. in particular, you could see already we looked a bit different having Origi up there with greater mobility up front and linking up better with the likes of Hudson, Adoy and Alanga. And then that midfield three of Dominguez, Sangore and Mangala, that made sense as well. That's been a solid midfield for us this so far this season when, when they've all featured together. So I was quite happy with the team. I didn't see too many complaints. Yeah, and five changes seems like a lot, but um, I agree with you there. And um, I think Origi is a bit more like Tyro than Chris Wood is. So if Forrest was sort of reverting back to the midfield three and to get Origi in there a bit like Tyro to sort of go back to the the old ways. But what were your thoughts on Gibbs White being dropped? Because I suppose as a winger, you'd say Hudson Odoi is probably more effective in that position. Yeah, and I think we have been playing Gibbs White out of position on that right-hand side. He's more effective through the middle, but it's been hard to find a place for him ahead of that midfield three of Dominguez, Sangore and Mangala. And actually, Gibbs White hasn't been performing to the levels he was last season. So I didn't think a game or two on the bench would do him much harm. And I think it was worth trying that front three of Origi, Alanga and Hudson-Odoi, to be perfectly honest. So I could understand... White right, might have raised some eyebrows because I think Gibbs White is very much one of Cooper's players, but given recent form, I, I didn't see that as a a negative move, if I'm honest. Yeah, and it was one that many fans were calling for as well on social media when you see the predicted lineup. So it wasn't that much of a surprise. Uh, so the game started in Fulham. It's quite clear they had most of the ball in the early stages and Forrest employed this sort of more higher line than we used to see in the way from home. I think they tried it at times against West Ham, but in the first 20 minutes, it was very visible because they just sat high up the pitch and made Fulham try and play through us. And they didn't look that um, threatening in the opening stages. Um, in terms of the chances, Forrest had the first one of the game, really. It was a goal kick. Murillo uh, got it from Vlacadimos. He turned and found Dominguez uh, in space in midfield who in turn turned and played it through to Origi. And it just got caught under his foot. He was in our goal and just got caught under his foot. Maybe sort of match sharpness there. And then his shot in the end as Fulham got back to get in front of him, uh, went wide from the edge of the box. Fulham had a few early on um, with uh, Kearney in the box, playing it into Jimenez, who shot straight at Blackademos. And then the real big chance early on before Fulham scored was 25 minutes in. Sangare gave away a needless free kick on the edge of the box. And it was uh, Andres Pereira, I think, who curled it onto the post. And Vakadimos wasn't that close to it, I didn't think. And maybe if it had been a few inches further right, it would have gone in. But in terms of how the game started and how Forrest set up, um, it was looking relatively even, even though they didn't have much possession. Yeah, and I thought Forrest looked okay in that first 25 minutes. And... A point away at Fulham, I don't think would have been too bad a result. So Forrest looked comfortable actually in that in that, those opening stages. And I wasn't too concerned. And I think Origi coming in, he looks livelier and, and more mobile than Chris Wood, as I mentioned. So I I thought the team was looking okay. But turns out that was famous last words because it all went <laughs> wrong very quickly. Yes, it did very, very quickly. Uh, about half an hour, wasn't it? And Forest was sort of getting forward. They were high up the pitch for maybe one of the first times in the game. Um, Sangare had it in midfield and he had it in space. He had options to his left. He turned away from his marker and then inexplicably he decided to turn back into them and he lost possession. And with the high line that I mentioned with Forrest committing bodies forward, 
they were always likely to be hit on the counter attack by Fulham. And that's exactly what happened. They broke quickly. I think Bassey it was, brought it out from defence, played it forward. And then it was uh, Willian on the left wing. I mean, he played so well against us last season. I remember Willian, he just dictated the game and wasn't so involved this game, but got the assist. He curled it to the back post from the left-hand side. Missed Toffolo and Alex Iwobi was there to tap in. And such an avoidable goal, like you say, and a decent start. And it just had to be a mistake that put Forrest behind. And that seems to be the theme of goals recently. We seem to be shooting ourselves in the foot with the kind of goals we concede. We're either just individually poor, players not tracking runners or not getting close to opposition players to close down shots and make life difficult for them. Or we're just plainly giving the ball away like Sangare did. I don't know what he was thinking. A player of his calibre and his value, let's say, because we've spent a lot of money on him, should be doing a lot better in that situation and shouldn't be giving the ball away so cheaply. And that's what happens in the Premier League. You make those kind of mistakes, you're going to get punished for them. Even teams like Fulham, I I don't think Raul Jimenez is the player he used to be. I don't think Alex Awobi is a top Premier League player, if I'm honest. But these players have got the enough quality to punish you when you make mistakes. And we've, we're seeing that. And it didn't take long for Fulham to score a second goal. That so happens for Forest. They concede one, they concede another. It's maybe not happened so much this season. It did at West Ham. But last season, that was a feature that you saw pretty much every game, especially away from home. Um, Forest did get forward, actually, after the goal. I think Murillo had a shot from a corner that flew over the bar. But then pretty quickly after that, Fulham came forward. Um, and it was Murillo who I think was getting frustrated with the fact that um, Fulham were just passing it around midfield and the midfield weren't pressing. So Murillo took it upon himself to rush out of defence and try and make a tackle. Now, unfortunately, Fulham played round him and that left the gap in the defence. Uh, and then what really frustrated me for this goal, um, I mean, I was so annoyed at Sangari, but even more for Mangala, there's a clear gap in the defence and Mangala is ambling back and he's pointing at Felipe to fill the gap when it's quite obvious that Mangala, I think, has got to drop in there and, and fill the space but that didn't happen. And they came down the right-hand side where the space was vacated. Uh, Iwobi played it inside to Pereira, edge of the box. And then he slipped it through for Jimenez. And an emphatic finish into the box, high into the uh, top right corner. Good finish from him. I believe, I may be wrong on this, but I believe it's his first Fulham goal. One that's been waiting a while for. Um, and yeah, again, like we've just mentioned for the first goal, two very avoidable goals that swung the game entirely out of Forest favour early on. Yeah, and to concede two goals so quickly, you just felt at that point it was game over and we, we'd thrown away another opportunity. We were solid in the first 25 minutes and then we were in the blink of an eye, game over and, and we're up against it. And again, I think players just not doing their jobs. And like you say, Mangala there, not sensing danger and not stepping back into defence like he should have done pointing at Felipe, who I think was trying to cover it, another player anyway. So if Felipe comes out there, he's leaving another Fulham player with a clean run on goal. So no, players are not taking enough responsibility at the moment, as far as I'm concerned. And this has got to change because you're seeing what is happening on the pitch. We are crumbling in games when things are not going to plan. I think it's a mixture of a team that's lacking confidence because we haven't won for a while. That's fine. That happens in football. But players have got to step up and make things happen, do their jobs and do what they're supposed to do to try and turn form around, not throw their toys out of the pram and give up, which it looks like quite a few of them are doing at the moment. 
And you can't fault the manager because he did try to change things up. You saw the changes that he made throughout the game. But in the first half, one thing he did was switch Hudson and Dino Langer. And whether that's Cooper's choice or whether that's an internal player's decision, they switched. But still, neither of them managed to get into the game. Forrest couldn't get the ball to them. And Origi was probably the the one player that actually looked threatening, dropping deep, getting the ball off the midfielders because the wingers really struggled to get into the game. And I, and I think, was it the Brentford game that the pair of them started instead of Gibbs White? And that was a very similar yeah. issue to, to what we had. So you maybe think that if the pair of them start without Gibbs White, that's always going to be a feature. So um, Forrest struggled to have any impact on the game in the first half. The closest they came to scoring was when Mangala rode a few challenges and got to the edge of the box and everyone was saying shoot and he laid it to the left and they got a corner. And that's as it all when that's your, your closest opportunity and not even a shot. Yeah. And it's something that we don't, I don't think we shoot enough, actually. We get into some decent positions, but... We, we don't seem to want to take a pop at goal and we just lay it off and allow teams to reset or defend across or, and yeah, sometimes just have a go. We see, we seem to see plenty of opposition players scoring against us from range, but you see what happens. Look at the Villa game and Mangala scored in that game, albeit through a mistake from the goalkeeper, but that goal doesn't happen if he just lays it off to another player and decides to not have a shot. Sometimes get in that position, just have a go and see what happens. Yeah, so uh, Forrest, it was 2-0 at half-time. It nearly was three just before the break as uh, Aynor had slipped over on the edge of the box and gave it to Iwobi, but luckily he shot wide. But in the end, Forrest started the half well, but there was nothing after they conceded those goals. And whether the score was 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, there would be no excuse and they couldn't say they hadn't merited being behind at the break. So Cooper, I think, felt things needed to change. He brought on Ryan Yates, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White for Sangare and Dominguez. I think taking Sangari off was a given. I think actually in the Everton game, he should have been taken off at half time and, and Cooper didn't do that early enough, in my opinion. So I'm glad that he took the initiative with that and took him off. And also bringing Yates on and Gibbs White and Yates are two players that you know will fight. And I think that's what was missing in the first half and ultimately in the game. But I think Cooper's think, thinking there was, as well as these two haven't really had the best half. Let's get players on there that are going to fight for the shirt, and fight for those fans that have travelled over 100 miles on a Tuesday night. Definitely, yeah. It's it's disappointing with Sangore because he has really not delivered on his price tag so far. And I don't know if that's because of this illness that he's had recently and that's why he looks really out of sorts or if his heart's not in it at the moment. I can't, I can't work it out. But I'm looking at Sangare and thinking maybe some time out of the team would do him good because he he's not really delivering what we expect of him. And I'd probably now look at keeping Mangala, possibly Yates or Dominguez, and then having Gibbs White in there as the sort of central attacking midfielder in the three and just see how that goes. Because you're right, Gibbs White will work, he'll cover ground, he'll make tackles and he'll press the opposition. So too Ryan Yates, although I don't think he was as effective as he can be normally last night. I could understand the the changes that Steve Cooper made to try and get some more energy on the pitch and a bit more drive and desire. Yeah, 100%. It was all too easy for Fulham. Um, They didn't look bothered, if I'm being honest, Forrest in the second half. Uh, They scored the third goal. It was an easy ball over the top that looked like Forrest were going to defend it very easily. And instead, Jimenez took it down into the box, uh, struggled off Aina and Felipe, then went round the keeper and then backheeled it into the net or flicked it into the net or something like that. And I think that just showed how easy the game was for Fulham how 
it was probably a surprise for them. And then you heard the, the sarcastic chants from Fulham when they had the ball going, way, way. Hmm. I don't think Fulham could quite believe how easy they had the game. No. And when you've got a player like Jimenez scoring probably his first goals in a Fulham shirt and he's been playing for them for a year or 18 months or however long it is, it always seems to happen against Forrest as well. If you've got a striker yeah. who's struggling to score goals, play them against Forrest because they'll probably find one from somewhere. And th- this was, again a really poor individual mistake, I thought. And I've been a big fan of Aina this season. I think he's been one of our better players, but he's got to do better there. Jimenez just made light work of him, shoved him to the ground. No strength, no resistance from Aina. It's quite an embarrassing goal to concede, really. You see him tumbling to the ground and then Jimenez goes past the keeper and back heels it in. You just think, come on, you've got to be better than this. And, Another example of poor individual mistakes costing us and actually making the team look silly as well. And it's frustrating because Aina looked so brilliant as he came in. He looked I thought he looked I thought defensively it was his it was best asset defensively against Arsenal in his first game. I mean, him and McKenna down that side. I know Saka scored, but Saka wasn't really in the game at all. And Man United, he kept and on both sides, on the left, on the right, he looked defensively sound. But it's really been lacking in the last few games, but his attacking um, sort of prowess has, has came through a bit more. He created Forrest's only real chance um, of the second half. They only had two shots in the second half, and I can't remember what the other one was, but this was a, a chance. Chris Wood came on after about an hour and a few minutes later, about 65, 66 minutes, he had a chance. It was Aina who got down the right-hand side um, and crossed it in, and then Chris Wood got into the near post, but, but shot wide. And then there was... Um, chance from the Forest fans, you know, we've had a shot and it was almost a defeated, a defeatist attitude from everybody. It was a defeatist attitude from the Forest fans who, I mean, quite rightly so, thought we're not going to get anything out of this game. It looked like a defeatist attitude from the players. And I think what epitomised it the most and what frustrated many Forest fans the most, and when I found out this after the game, was Marinakis leaving early and the defeatist attitude. And it stemmed from the top of the club and it went all the way onto the players and onto the, into the concourses. And, that was clear for the throughout the whole second half and throughout the whole night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And you need strong leadership from the top of the club. I think Maranakis has done a lot right since he's come to the club. I think there's things he could have done better and still can do better. But yes, that leadership's got to come from the top of the club and that always filters down to the players. Whatever's happening behind the scenes will eventually find its way onto the pitch. And... Yeah, it it was just sad to see because these kind of performances, you don't really see them under Steve Cooper. Certainly we haven't while he's been at Forest. And to see players throwing in the towel like that, the fans resignated to defeat is not good. But on the flip side, the way that the fans rallied behind Cooper and, and chanted his name through that second half was really something special. Reminded me of Leicester last year, and I was in that away end at Leicester, chanting for Steve Cooper when we'd gone 3-0 down. And for a good 20 minutes, half an hour at Leicester, it was all Steve Cooper chants. And I think that really played a part in him keeping his job and Forrest going on the eventual run that took them to safety. But this was just, again, just so disappointing to see on the field that there was a poor performance. I can understand Marinakis's frustration. And if that lanyard that was thrown into somebody's hedge, <laughs> it was actually his, then, you know, I can picture him actually ripping it off and chucking it as well. Yeah. 
he's not a man who smiles very often, is he? Even when we're doing well. So, but again, it's got to come from strong leadership across the club. And I, I do think that things are going off behind the scenes that perhaps we're not privy to. And I do wonder as well, if Steve Cooper actually has been papering over the cracks for a while. Yeah. And there was a, a huge, I mean, in front of me, there was a guy who left at 65 minutes and it was pretty much until that point, after about 66, 67 minutes, that the Forest fans woke up and started seeing Steve Cooper's name. And I think you could take it two ways. You could take it in the, it was, was it Forest fans saying goodbye to Steve Cooper or was it Forest fans backing Steve Cooper? And, and I think it could be a bit of both. Mm. I think the fans that have stayed, that stayed till the end and that have been on this journey from day dot, from Barnsley away and that amazing away win that, if people ask me what my favourite away day was, I still say Barnsley away because that was the start of this incredible journey. Um, and those people, I think, were there backing Steve Cooper and believing he can do it, but also acknowledging that this could well and truly be his last game. And there was a, a big consensus and feeling after the game that it would be. I mean, on the tube, when I came back to my uni accommodation um, in London, I was speaking to some Forest fans and, you know, oh, we've gone in the morning. And really, I think it was a bit of both, um, the chanting. But I, I thought the same thing. I thought it reminded me exactly of that Leicester game, the spirit that Forest fans showed. The only difference I'd say maybe was that I think the the Leicester chants were more directed at sort of the squad as well as Cooper, whereas I think those chants were directed firmly at Steve Cooper because that performance was unacceptable. And I said in the group chat, that performance reminded me of the Middlesbrough game um, under Hewton because there was absolutely no fight there. The Everton game last week was a poor performance because we didn't look into it. We didn't sort of get hold of the game. We didn't have anything about us. Whereas this game was just flat. We didn't look interested. And that's in a way worse than than the alternative. Um so as yeah. the chance carry as the chance carried on, uh Everton, not Everton, Fulham, um, they scored another two goals. Uh it was Iwobi who got one, they tapped it in at the back post after some nice play down Fulham's right hand side. And then Kearney, I think in a in a situation that summed up Forrest, didn't it? Kearney's goal. They fell over themselves trying to play out from the back and then conceded from uh from a five on one or something like that, wasn't it? And yeah. that moment that Forest uh, last night, didn't it? Yeah, it just summed everything up really. And it was a Forest fan Kearney scoring the goal to rub salt into the wounds even more. Um yeah, really did sum it up. And that the the big thing that I'm taking away from the game is that Yes, we can lose games. We can lose games by five in this league quite easily. But if you're putting in the effort and you're trying and you're showing that willingness to play and actually competing games, I can forgive that. But if you are downing tools and you don't look bothered and you just look like you've given up, that's unforgivable. And you can say whatever you like about Steve Cooper's tactics, his team selections, how he sets up the team to play. But... I think the players let him down big time last night and that is inexcusable. All of them should be looking at themselves today, disgusted with the way that they've performed and they should be looking now to put things right at Wolves on Saturday. If it's Steve Cooper's last game in charge, give him a performance to go out on, give him a victory to go out on because that's the least he deserves. He was talking last night in his post-match interview about how he didn't deserve the praise he was getting from the Forest fans. He deserves every bit of praise that he gets from the Forest fans. What he didn't deserve last night was that performance from his team because it was inexcusable. 
it was inexcusable and it finished 5-0. Uh, we'll give you a little break from Stephen and I ranting about Forest now. Uh, and when we come back, we'll have a look at the full-time mood. We'll discuss what happened at the end at the full-time whistle. And we'll discuss the seeming lack of spirit that has been at the heartbeat of Forest and their success and how it doesn't seem to be succeeding at the minute. You're listening to 1865, Nottingham Forest Podcast. Tis the season for festive football. And what's the best way to watch it? Well, it's down at your local Green King Sports Pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with your friends, old and new, and to get to your local for a pint, some food, and live action of every Christmas cracker when it comes to Premier League football. Each fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon is live at Green King Sport, which means wall-to-wall action on the huge HD screens, So head to your local Green King and watch every winning goal, top bins volley, and yes, dodgy VAR decisions in an atmosphere worth sharing. Download the Green King Sport app and you'll receive 10% off drinks every single time there's sport on the telly. And you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your match report. The 1865 match report. Uh, hello and welcome back to the 1865 Forest Match Report after Forest's 5-0. How many more times do I have to say this? 5-0 defeat away at Craven Cottage. Uh, and we'll talk about the, the full-time scenes now. So after the full-time whistle, some of the players gathered in front of the away end. Um, and there was a hesitance, I think, from certain players who just didn't understand what was going on, didn't get it. There was shirt swapping. That's going to be going around social media. There was players still on the halfway line for minutes talking and I mean, I'm in danger of sounding like Roy Keane here, but I, I don't think that's acceptable. You've just gone to war. Now, the first thing you should be doing is apologising to those fans that have given up their evening, booked days off work, spent tickets on trains, will get back at two, three o'clock in the morning, and yours too busy having a laughing joke in the halfway line. I think that was unacceptable, but it was a horrible moment for, for Steve Cooper, who fronted up to the Forest fans, who took responsibility, as he always did. He comes, he claps, he puts his arms up in apology. And like you say, after the post-match and the post-match interviews, he said he doesn't deserve it. And I think that a question that uh, Colin Frey asked summed it up, he said, he said, do some of your players just not get it? And that seems like that's the case at the minute. Yeah, it seems to be the way. And those post-match scenes were evidence of it. You had Oromangala who'd swapped shirts with a Fulham player and then he casually walks over to the Forest fans and... He's wearing the Fulham shirt. Yeah, come on. Just a bit of self-awareness after you've lost 5-0. And you've got 2,500 travelling fans there who've been supporting you for the last 90 minutes. And, yeah, I think some of the players don't get it. And it's sad to see because one of the great strengths of Steve Cooper's time at Forest is the way that he has galvanised players to come together as a team. He's galvanised the club to come together as one. And to see players not bothered or not getting it was just really disappointing. And on the Amazon prime coverage, they at the final whistle focused on Steve Cooper going over to the forest fans. And it was quite upsetting to see him visibly gutted at what had happened and holding his hands up, apologizing to the forest fans who traveled to Craven cottage. I just started to get a bit of a lump in my throat, actually watching it. And it was sad to see, and and I just felt so badly for Cooper in that moment because he didn't deserve that. And yes, he's made mistakes, and 
he's not a perfect manager. Nobody is, but somebody who has given so much to the club in the last two and a bit years, somebody who's delivered so much to the club and invested so much in the club deserves a lot better. And he does. And it's sad to see because I think you've slowly started to see the the sort of falling apart of Forest promotion season. Obviously, they didn't sign that many players last season, but there was still that fire in the belly from many of the players. And a lot of them came in, they got it from sort of the first game at home to West Ham. They felt this sudden togetherness that maybe I don't think many other clubs have. But slowly, as Forest have moved away from that side and have started to sign new players, expand, try to play better football, that's sort of faded. And I suppose maybe that's why second season syndrome is so rife, because when you come up, you're going to have a very similar player, a group of players. Forest probably very different to what most teams have. Most teams have pretty much the same lineup, whereas we had to sign new players because of the loans. But slowly that's faded away. And I believe only Ryan Yates um, came on, who was part of that promotion season. From, from last night. And, and that says it all. You've got the situation at the minute that's going on with McKenna and, and Warrell that have been banished from training. All things that very don't seem like very Steve Cooper and don't seem very Forrest over the past couple of years. So it's almost like everything is slowly falling apart. And I think Forrest fans have shown that they want that togetherness to come back. They want Steve Cooper to be at the figure, the forefront of the club and to bring everything back together. But when you've got a group of players that seemingly aren't in the battle with you, it's an uphill task, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I think this is a symptom of our recruitment policy and bringing in so many players. Now, last season, you could understand it because we got promoted way ahead of schedule, I think, and we did need to bring players in to survive and we had to spend a bit of money to do that. However, this season, we've had another turnover of players more new faces coming in and we had a lot coming in late in the window and we've now given those players to Steve Cooper and asked him to put another team together. And I think there's only so much you can do in that situation because I think he needs to be given a stable set of players to work with and he needs to be given the right tools for the job. And I don't think he has been. I'm looking at some of the players in the squad at the moment and they're not showing us that they're Premier League quality or mid-table Premier League quality at that. And what worries me about this current situation, in particular if Steve Cooper leaves the club, is that we could go into free fall. I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I don't think there's any stability at Forest other than Steve Cooper. There's no stability in the playing staff because we've had a big turnover of players in the last two seasons. And it seems like in the boardroom as well, you've got a difference in views going on between sort of recruitment and the players we want to bring in. We got rid of Sirianos and then brought him back in during the summer. We've had a change in the, the football recruitment side with uh, Ross Wilson coming in. Dane Murphy left when he did. Steve Cooper's the only stable thing that Forrest have got at the moment. And I worry what happens if he leaves. We We could just turn into a a basket case again. And I really don't want that to happen. And it is sad because we thought that we'd left that forest behind, that forest that sacked three managers a season, that had owners that were disinvolved with the club. We thought that this was our opportunity to to forget that, leave that in the championship and solidify because you see that by the fact that Steve Cooper is wanted by, you know, he's clamoured for the England job. There's rumours that if he gets fired, then Crystal Palace are lining up to get him. And, I don't think he's the problem at Forest at the minute. 
But I think it's very easy to pin things on the manager. And so often when the players aren't playing, the manager is the one that goes because you can't sack a group of players. And as much as there's, I could single out 10 players that I would like to see go because probably because of the attitude, not because of the ability, because they've shown the ability both before they've came to the club and at times while they're here, but just because of the lack of fight that they have for the club, for the cause and for everything that Steve Cooper and Nottingham Forest stand for. So um, personally, I, I think Steve Cooper is the man. I think every season that he's been here, he's exceeded expectation because who'd have thought when, we, when he came in bottom of the championship that we'd get promotion? No one. Who'd have thought this time last season when we were bottom of the league that we'd stay up with a game to spare? And both times he has, at times, especially last season when it looked like at times he'd already lost the dressing room last season, he managed to get it back and managed to get Forrest over the line. And he's he's got a track record of that. And the one thing as well, he will do what's best for Forrest. He will he'll be thinking about this as much as we are. We're having this conversation. I've been thinking about Forrest all day when I've been sat in my lectures. All I've been checking is, you know, is Cooper, every time my phone buzzes, is it Twitter? Has he gone? And thinking about that result. We know that you can see that he is one of us and he will be thinking like that. And he'll be doing everything that he can to get Forrest out of the situation. And I'm not sure you're going to find someone to replace him overnight. So do you also think Steve's the right man? Yeah, I do. I I feel for him and I understand that the run of form is not good enough and some of the performances haven't been good enough, but I still think Cooper is the man. I'm looking at the potential candidates that have been put forward to replace him and nobody is really standing out to me as either an upgrade or somebody who can come in and really transform this team. Julian Lopetegui is one. Obviously, he was at Wolves and did a decent job with them, but walked out at the end of the season. He was apparently unhappy with the recruitment, but that's not the first time he's walked out on a job. He walked out on the Spain job just before the World Cup Mm -hmm. to go and manage Real Madrid. So I, I don't think his character is all that, to be honest with you. And then some of the other names mentioned outside of the classic merry-go-round names of Gerard, Lampard, Vieira, Jesse March, whoever else you want to put in there, are managers who've not managed in this country before. And I think that would be a big gamble. And some of our fans seem to think that we'll just pluck the next Unai Emery out of thin air. Oh, if Villa did it, then we can. Well, I think you've got to temper your expectations a little bit. And I think some of our fans have as well. Villa finished... 17th, 11th and 14th, I think, before they managed to get into Europe. Brighton, I've mentioned them a few times now, 15th, 17th, 15th and 16th. And then they got into the top half. You can't come into this league after 23 years away, stay up and then expect to be top 10 the season after. You're performing near miracles if you want that to happen. It's so difficult to establish in this league. For Forest this season... Staying up is enough. I think in that bracket between 12th and 15th, I'd be very happy with if Forrest finished there. I think that's enough for us this season to establish and keep building. And even with Cooper staying on, I still think we've got enough to stay up. I still think Steve Cooper's the man to guide us to safety and, and continue to build what this club wants to achieve. For me, he's the glue holding the club together at the moment. He's got the support in the stands and I think he's one of the few people at the club who really understand Forest and really get what it's about. And the hierarchy, I think they've got to temper their expectations a little bit, but I think they've got to look at 
what Steve Cooper is bringing to, to Forest and really think hard about what they could potentially be letting go. Because I guarantee you, if Steve Cooper leaves Forest, Crystal Palace or another team yeah. in the league will snap him up and he'll probably return to the city ground dugout in the opposition dugout at some point. And that's going to be horrible to see. It is. It'll be almost like we'll be singing the away manager's name throughout the whole game. I would not be surprised yeah. by that. But if you look where Forest are, we're 16th, which doesn't sound great, but we're still five points above the relegation zone, reasonably comfortably ahead of Everton playing uh, in a few, or an hour's time now. And, you know, if they win that, we're in a bit of a sticky predicament. But this time last season, we were rooted bottom of the table with no way out. At least now there is a bit of hope. But if we sort of look at what Forest can change, personally, I think the Dominguez, Sangare, Mangala midfielder served us well for the past couple of months, but it, it's looking like that that sort of has came to an end now. And I think we've got to, like you say, get Gibbs White in there now that uh, Hudson Odoi is fit. And yes, Ilanga and Hudson Odoi, like I say, didn't really get involved in the game at all against Fulham. I think with Gibbs White in that sort of number 10 with the two wingers, that he can really bring them into the game. And Cooper, I think he's tried a lot of things over the past couple of games and nothing's really seeming to work. So I think he's got to try and put players on the pitch that will fight for him and that he knows will fight for him. And I'm sure that that's what he'll do against Wolves. But the good news is that he's had his pre-match press conference for Wolves um, and he said that this is a chance for Forrest to stand up and be counted, um, which would be a big difference from the other night where there's not many that you could count. So um, ahead of Wolves, what, what would you like to see Steve change and hopefully get that win that would maybe see him see his, uh, keep his job? I wouldn't be against Steve going back to basics and the kind of formation and setup that saw us grind out results last season. If it means going back to more of a low block, so be it. I think just get points on the board. I think bring the likes of Gibbs White and possibly Yates back into the fold and just put players in their best positions. So keep Alanga and Hudson Adoy on the wings replace one of Mangala, Sangare and Dominguez with Gibbs White. At the moment, I'd say Sangare because I don't think he's doing a lot. The back four, I think, is is okay, largely. Um, Toffolo, I think, has, has done all right throughout this run. I don't see any reason why he should lose his place. Einer or, or Aurier, I'm not really sure about at the moment. I think just put one of them in and see what happens, really. And... Yes, I think just for Cooper, go back to basics. Get the team hard to beat again. Make the games about effort and commitment and get the players pressing, chasing down the opposition and defending like a team again. If we can do that, I think we've got every chance of getting a result at Wolves. And if Steve Cooper's here beyond that, great. I'd like to see that happen. I think he deserves until the new year at least and see where we are then. But whatever happens on on Saturday, there is a potential that it could be Cooper's last game. And that's a really awful thing to be saying because it's going to be a sad day when that man leaves the club. It really is. And hopefully that's uh, not sooner rather than later, but it's looking like it could be. The one other player that I think has got to step up is the keeper, Odysseus. I'm not saying that he's at fault for many, any of the goals last night, but I think in the Everton game, he, he was flapping. He did not look secure. In the West Ham game, I didn't look that didn't seem that comfortable with him as well. And what I would say is if Matt Turner had put the performances in that he has over the past few weeks, there'd be people on social media shouting for him to get dropped. So I think Odysseus, as much as he looks more like a goalkeeper than Turner, and that's possibly why fans wanted him to come in, 
along with the pedigree, I think he's also got to step up, as has pretty much everyone. But I think the attitude of people like Toffolo, who's on set pieces now, I think he's one of the best crosses at the club. And who would have thought that? Um, I think he's really stepped up, taking corners really well. Um, and let's just hope that that spirit could come through. But I think we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining me, Stephen. I think before we go, I'll just give a, a little mention to the Forest under-21s after their game uh, on Tuesday with Doncaster. It was the first round of the uh, EFL Trophy knockouts. The Young Reds qualified after coming second in their group, but they did unfortunately lose to Doncaster on the night. I did watch the game and they looked all right. They looked quite competitive in the first half um, and it took a long-range strike for them to go behind. But in the end... Um, in the second half, the stamina of, of a League One side came through and they also put some subs on that were first-team players and they won comfortably 3-0. But it's a good experience for the lads and shows the brilliance of our academy at the moment that we can get that far in a competition where many Premier League academies um, have have not gone through. But you're probably fed up of uh, me and Stephen rambling on now, so we'll uh, put it to an end there. Thanks for joining me, Stephen. Uh, make sure, uh, thank you listener as well and uh, make sure that you, if you enjoyed this episode, you give us a follow on social media and make sure you're listening out for the next uh, podcast. I'll be there at Wolves, I'm sure many of the other guys will be as well and we'll have a podcast straight after the Wolves game, hopefully after Forest are back on track. But until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.